Coming up on another mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, myself, Matt Olsen, Cody Ajada, and for the very first time, Tanner Code, we broke down Melbourne Victory's 4-0 win against the Newcastle Jets in round five of the A-League Men, the first game of the round. Victory looking back to their best uh, at Amy Park last night. And uh, yeah, we discussed that uh, in quite a bit of depth, in particular looking at the Jets and after two pretty poor losses in a row against the Wanderers and now the victory away from home, what do we think of Arthur Paps' team? What do we make of him and his style as well at the moment and, and how that's translating to his players because they definitely have struggled these last couple of weeks, the Jets. Um, but uh, also, yeah, the victory, a very positive result for them. And uh, Bruno Fornaroli, of course, late on coming off the bench uh, and scoring his first goal for the club would have made uh, Tony Popovich very happy. So, a lot of talking points out of that one, even though it was a pretty routine uh, win for the victory as well. And then uh, we're going to briefly mention the suspended sanctions that were handed down to Sydney United uh, by Football Australia yesterday as a result of the fan behaviour that we all uh, witnessed at the Australia Cup final against MacArthur. Uh, Brief discussion about that. Also um, mentioning Adrian Vastelica, uh, our mate on the Front Page Football Podcast. Of course, we, we did speak to him out of that game, the, the final, and uh, he's uh, yesterday uh, signed for Sydney FC on an injury replacement deal for, for Alex Wilkinson. So, brief discussion around him and, and, and just the NPL in general, uh, which led us into a National Second Division rabbit hole, um, which is kind of as per usual um, on the on the podcast. So um, anyway, this is a mini. We, we've been able to keep it around the 30-minute mark, so I'm, I'm very happy with that. But uh, yeah, a few things discussed in there along with uh, the game, of course, last night. So without further ado, I'm your host, Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Okay, welcome back to another Front Page Football Mini Podcast. And tonight, I actually can't believe it. I've got three guests on a Friday night mini podcast. It's unbelievable. I don't know if that means like we're just really passionate A-League fans or it's like really sad that we've got no other plans on a, on a Friday night um, but to just sit here and talk for half an hour about, about an A-League game. I'm going to go with the former. Um, so, yeah, joining me tonight, Matt Olsen. Once again, he's a Friday night regular. Matt, how are we? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I've uh, I've had a fairly busy week, so I'm, I'm excited to get stuck into it. Good weekend of football ahead. Yeah, I reckon I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this one. Um, and Cody, how are you going? I am great, and I will just put on the record what else would you rather be doing on a Friday night? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's just exactly right, um, to be honest. And joining us on the Front Page Football Podcast for the very first time, is our Tasmanian rider, Tanner Code. Tanner, how are you going, Matt? Mate, couldn't be happier. It's right after that victory <laughs> game. Oh, fucking clutch. <laughs> <laughs> Tanner and his beloved Melbourne victory getting a 4-0 win against the Newcastle Jets. That's what we're going to be talking about for the first part of this podcast. Um, let's just get straight into it. Probably everything that could have gone right for the Melbourne victory in that game did go right. And everything that could have gone wrong for Newcastle went wrong. That's how I probably sum it up when I look at it and just start with the victory side. Tanner, we'll start with you. Um, I mean, 
Bruno scores off the bench late was a really kind of cream on the cake. Uh, but Brimmer looked back to his best. D'Agostino was, I thought, excellent. Um, Nanny looked good. Arguably his best performance, maybe, in a victory shirt for me. So, you know, all those question marks over victory offensively and lacking the goals recently were kind of put to bed tonight. Absolutely. It just it felt like that must-win um, kind of feel for a game. I haven't felt that much tension personally in myself since before all that pressure with Grant Brebner when um, he was uh, right under the fire. And I'm pretty sure Victory played Knicks that day. And when we scored, back when we had uh, Rudy Gestad, they all went around to to Grant, you know, kind of gave the support. That's how much the tension felt to me for this game because we had that winning mentality victory, but with the shit results that was happening, just it, it just felt like we just needed to win. But personally, I thought we were the dominant team and we did deserve it. Um, I thought Economides really stepped up and that goal was just clinical. But mm. he took he took so so long and had all the time in the world to perfect it. Like, what were the Newcastle defence doing? Was it Elsie? Um, yeah, it was, it was Carl Jenkinson. And I think the Newcastle defence discussion is is probably going to be revisited in about five minutes or so time because um, that was pretty shambolic from, from their point of view. But I like what you touched on, what you very you said right at the start, around this kind of being a must-win for victory because it's not, it's not really a must-win, right? Because, look, if they draw, it's like, guys, you've got like 20 games left in the season, whatever. But at the same time, <laughs> It kind of felt like it going into it. It was like they, you almost felt like they needed a bit of a big performance. They needed a couple of goals. They needed the attacking guys to kind of fire a little bit. And they answered, you know, they ticked all those boxes. So, um, uh, Matt, uh, a, a pretty good a pretty good night for victory. Look, it's, it's obviously an idealistic result for Popovich. I, I know that, you know, in years gone by, he's had slow starts. And you could argue that, that you know, particularly the, with, with the Brisbane game, they've had to sort of overcome a lot of that. Um, this is as good as you're going to get, really, isn't it? Um, and for that to be going on, you know, I, I just for me the big story of the game isn't victory though. It's it's the Jets and it's a lot of the a lot of the issues that have been going on with Pappas Bowl. And I think we should maybe touch on that. But <laughs> I don't know where where are you let's, at? Um, let's um let's with yeah so, sorry to cut you off. Let's Cody mm-hmm. get your final thoughts on on the victory, and then I think I think it's um pertinent. We will touch on the Jets yeah, for a little okay. bit. So okay. Cody, well, yeah. as I said, you know, a classic Popovich. Slow start. Or Matt, or Matt will just keep talking. That's all right. <laughs> oh, did you? Did you? You said final thoughts. I thought you meant my final thoughts, Christian. That's no, okay. No, no, I no. no, no. I, was, I was, I was, I was trying to throw to Cody, uh, and I don't know if maybe that didn't come through on the mic. Maybe I said uh, ask you to keep going. I, I do not know, but um, you kept talking, and that was a bit awkward. But um, anyway, who's who's going to talk now? I wonder. Oh, uh, don't worry, I'm used to Matt cutting me off. I think that's just about a. Regular on the on the. Um, Are you referring to the Soccer Is podcast? I'm not referring to any podcast in particular. Oh, but okay. You're going to okay. bring up the Soccer Is one. Cody hasn't spoken for forty minutes. Oh Jesus! Okay, oh, back, back anyway. on topic, boys. I'll, I will, Cody. I'll be the adjudicator here. Cody, you can now speak. There we go. Look, you said it was a must-win game for Melbourne Victory. As much as you're saying there is 20 games left of the season. Melbourne Victory hold extremely high standards and considering everything around them that was going into this season, you brought in, bring in a player like Nani. You got one of the best front lines in the league, got the best coach in the league, arguably, in my opinion. Popovich is the number one coach in the competition. If you've got all that around you, you should not be starting the way they did. 
So in that in that respect, this was a must-win game because I'm sure Melbourne Victory don't want to be going into the World Cup break outside of the top six. So, yeah, in a way, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Tanner. It's a must-win game. Newcastle Jets, um, the word I think I will go for with them is uninspiring. And there is a very, very um, big penya-shaped hole in the middle of their um, midfield. I think it's more than that. Firstly, look, I, I, look, I understand. Yes, I agree. There is a bit of a penya-shaped hole, but I think just the, the team in an attacking standpoint, I've now, you know, we now watched two weeks in a row because obviously we watched them last week against Wanderers as well. And there's just nothing, I haven't seen anything in those last two weeks that has really suggested that this team is going to be a real threat to teams on a, on a weekly basis. They're going to have the odd game where, where, they're going to be a massive threat. They're going to score a couple of goals and they might win a game, you know, 3-1 like they did against Wellington a few weeks back. But when it's not clicking, I mean, it's it's passive. Uh, it's easy to defend. And more to the point, and Matt, you can you can now um, talk, if you like, about about the Jets' um, defense. It, it shines a light on just how horrible they are defensively because, look, I understand victory, victory star quality, um, and, you know, it's not easy Friday night, Amy Park, you know, this sort of thing that they're looking to bounce back and there's all this kind of situation and, and background that goes into it. But, you know, you have to call a stone a stone. And that was just that was just horrible defending from from Newcastle um, on particularly uh, the first the first couple of goals in particular, I thought. So, Matt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, obviously, you know, it's it's not it's not as much um, the fact that the really like like Papa sets up a certain way and he's obviously very direct with how he wants to play but what I can't understand is he he always has the attacking emphasis and when you're a side that's leaking goals and you're a side that's been leaking goals for essentially you know uh, an entire season and now you know the first first five five or technically four weeks into the season you're leaking those goals in the off season Papas has sort of kept that let, let's let's go all out on the attack mentality and you're seeing on a night like tonight where you just have to wonder with particularly the off-season recruitment, what, is, what has he done for, for the back four, really? Um, you know, and then they're, they're going to be exposed, you know. It, but, it, but also, it, 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 I guess when you're looking at a character like Jordan Elsie, for example, obviously he wasn't he wasn't playing tonight because of, because he, um, you know, has obviously been suspended. But when Jordan, Jordan Elsie, Jordan Elsie did play tonight. He, he did play. Okay, right. Sorry, no. Uh, you had, you had like red. you had you, you just had red. your that's Ben Azubel moment. So yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's all right. Um, we need to get better at that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So Jordan Elsie, like you look at characters like that, and you understand from the recruitment with Pappas, you understand that he's gone for this sort of veteran presence to give an air to the days when they had Topper Stanley and, and Nigel Bogart at the back, right? Um, Matt German, of course, joining as well. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So they're going for these veteran presences at the back, but it's it's like you can't rely on on one or two characters alone and expect the team to play this really attacking free football without a regard for what, what's going on defensively. And, you know, of course, a side like Victory with names of plenty up, up front are going to cut through you in that way. So, you know. Well, I, with with Newcastle, though, I think what they, what they want to be and if Pappas is meant to be this post disciple that he is, then what, what they have to be is a real high-pressing machine, right? And yes. what, what, what they're not doing is cutting things at the source. So the, the real issue for me is, okay, like we can sit there and say that James McGarry was absolutely awful defensively in that game, which particularly in the first half, I thought he was just, just absolutely shambolic 1v1. Like Nanny was literally doing the same thing every single time. And 
Look, it's Lewis Nanny, Manchester United legend. He's great with the board, his feet, 1v1s. That's his bread and butter. But I mean, it's kind of like, like, bro, it's pretty predictable. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, a little bit as well. So I thought he was pretty poor in that regard. But at the end of the day, you know, where's Newcastle's pressure higher up the pitch to stop that ball getting to Nanny in a 1v1? Okay. And I think if you look at Melbourne City is right, always for me, the, the team that you want to maybe emulate if you're looking at being a high press team, you know, how, how do they go about it? How aggressive are they? You know, how do they do it? And when you watch them, everyone knows their roles. The timing is spot on, right? And I know, you know, I'm saying this maybe after they kind of drew last week and they're not maybe in their best moment, but we've seen they are, they are you know, top for a reason at the moment and they have been good. So, and that's one aspect of the game for me, which, which shines above a lot of other teams in the league. And I think that if Newcastle want to be the team they want to be, then they need to address that aspect of the game as well um, because leaving the individuals that they have defensively in those scenarios like McGarry tonight, it's it's just going to leave them completely exposed. And um, Tana, I'll throw to you because I think, you know, Nanny was excellent, but I don't know how you viewed it, but I just thought McGarry was, was you know, I think I could have maybe been him in a 1v1 um, uh, tonight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mind that bold call, yeah. Especially from like us writers talking about footballers and saying, "Oh, mate, I could do better than him." Yeah, well, I actually, um, I actually, I'm going to retract that because I've got absolutely no pace, so um, I, I wouldn't have <laughs> beat him in one v one. But yeah, anyway. Oh, that's all right, mate. You probably wouldn't get 500 on Altman team, so it's no stress. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but getting back to it, um, yeah, Nani did look uh, a lot, uh, a lot better tonight, but there were moments when he struggled, like when he would just put in like a cross. In, it would either just go to the keeper or it would go over all the heads of either economies or daggers. So he's not quite at a finishing product yet. But, yeah, I, I think Newcastle defence did as best as they could. But, yeah, of course they could have done better. I, I mean, it's nutty. It's going to be very hard to stop a world-class player like that. But I'm still optimistic that we will see more of uh, the best of money to come. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cody, you look like maybe you want to say something. I think the best thing you can say about that is that's probably Nani's best game in a victory jersey so far. And the fact that, like Tanner said, he's only going to get better. It's an exciting prospect for the league. You've got a free-blowing Melbourne victory side, and when they are in that mood, as much as we can sit here and say, what was wrong with Newcastle Jets? They weren't doing this, they weren't doing that. They're a shadow of what they're trying to be. Watching a Melbourne victory side like that can't be disregarded. And one aspect of it that I really liked that I thought was missing from Newcastle was just the fact that they're willing to try things that maybe other teams don't have the balls to do. Like I remember you had, I'm going to bring up Pena again, I do apologise, but when Newcastle were going forward, Pena was, saw things other players can't. Classic example from Victory doing that tonight. Wait, that sorry, are you, ta- are, you saying, are you saying Newcastle, you thought, are willing to try things other teams aren't? Is that what no, you're saying? No, I'm saying they're not willing to try that. No, right that's, sorry, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I thought you I'm said saying, they Melbourne were, Victory, and I was about to just Victory completely interject and disagree, but yeah. <laughs> Melbourne Victory were willing to try that. You saw Brimmer's yeah. assist for the third goal. That was, that was a genius. Yeah. That was beautiful. I love that. I yeah. want to see people try things like that on a football pitch. That's what the game's about. Falami, every time he's got the ball, he's trying to beat his defender. Nani, every time he's got the ball, he's trying to beat his defender. I felt like every time Newcastle had the ball, and when you're talking about a side with players like Piscopo in it, Piscopo in it as well, it really shouldn't be happening. But every time they got the ball, it's just like, yeah, we're going to try and pass that way through the opposition. There wasn't anyone in that Newcastle side that's going to try and grab the game by the balls almost. And 
Create also, also of- just just because I'm mindful Tanner's here and I want to talk a little bit about Victor as well. Uh, Brillante, I thought, back tonight was also a big in because I think the the type of... I mean, we saw him at Sydney playing a bit more, if you want to go back to those days, a bit more as like a sitting kind of midfielder. But when he wants to, he can really be like a good box-to-box and he can really affect things in the final third, Tanner. That, that's what I felt tonight. Definitely. Josh Brillante is such a, a good signing for us. Um I thought he was really well against uh, Sydney uh, in round one. Um, I mean, when we play Wanderers, I don't really think any player stood up. Like, you know, like how um, the podcast for victory, for Vuck's sake, um, do the one-two freeze. No one deserved it that night, and Josh probably wasn't really that good. Um, but, yeah, no, he can stand up. He can be real box-to-box, and he's got that aggression. He's got that mentality and uh, that look in his eyes, you know, that you don't want to mess with him. But... It's. I just think when it comes to leadership, though, at the moment with victory, no one's leading more of an example than uh, Roderick Miranda. Yeah, he just no, that's a, that's like, a great he, point. He yeah. bleeds for this shirt. Like I, I remember seeing the look in his eyes when I think he went off at a kind of meetings about you know when he was just talking back to the referee. His eyes were you know literally like bugging out of his head because he was just that pissed off, like saying you know back away. You know we've still got time to win this game. He just bleeds that shirt. He's been an excellent acquisition for Audioga Sports. Well, well, it's interesting you bring him up because what was really noticeable is we know what, similar to what I thought, if you're looking at D'Agostino and Mikul Taza, if you want to compare the two the two strikers tonight, I think D'Agostino played a game which was very much in the Becker sort of mold, I felt, and he did it really well. And then Becker, on the other hand, couldn't do his thing that he likes to do where he, w- he wants to come short and he wants to try and link up and get involved that way. And it's because Miranda was just literally up his ass like 24-7 in that game. He did not give him like fucking anything. And it was really interesting to also watch Popovich on the side, like actually driving that aggression. And victory were, you know, I haven't... Obviously, we know Popovich teams are very solid defensively, but I've never seen him be like that intense about it before like on the sidelines like there was a very much a feeling i thought from victory tonight that we have to stamp our authority on these guys we're at home and we need to win this game and i think to your point miranda really drove that um with the way he stepped out defensively and he just gave michael tadze nothing uh in that game so yeah he was very good um i want to circle back to the jets and just talk a little bit about them as well because as i said i've what you know we've watched them two weeks in a row and i just think the the lack of in the final third, the lack of off-ball movement and the lack of unpredictability, as Cody was talking about, and I just think you've got, you know, yes, you've got no Pena, which is a, which is, of course, a very big out, but you've got Dartmelia, who I think has shown in glimpses that he's got quality. You've got Angus Thurgate, who we know is a very good young player. Just touched on Becker there, like you've got, uh, and Piscopo as well. Before I forget about him, like you've got enough quality there that through those three, four players, you can replace almost the, the, the quality of Pena. And I just think the the timing of the runs tonight is off. You know, players are trying to play balls that are two seconds too late or they're two seconds too early, whatever it is. And they're just, they're not creating enough doubt in these, these opposition teams. And I think, uh, Matt, I think that with, with Pappas, there's this feeling that, well, he needs time to embed his ideas. But, you know... You're not going to be a you're not going to be a finals team who's going to take you you know 18 rounds to get your to get your message across right and I think that's that's the issue he's facing. Yeah, look, look how much of it comes down to an over reliability on 
on on a certain attacking mindset to go to go back to what I said before, but also mm. just the the broader the, the wider spectrum here of ideas, right? We all overrated Arthur Pappas's ability and the Jets' ability last season because of Pena, right? And we've all had this hope that with the attacking football that they play, that they're going to be a fun side to watch no matter what. There's also there's also something that bugs me, and it's it's not so much to do with what happened tonight. I just would really really have felt the need to mention this. We have overhyped Pappas and the Jets to the point where we're when we're ignoring a lot of the problems that have still persisted for the last four or five years with what's going off the field with the Jets. Not that it's relevant, but I, I just feel that needs that needs mentioning because what it what it does is it paints a picture of of this belief in the Jets and the way that they play. And I almost feel as though Arthur has become complacent with a lot of that, if you understand what I mean. When you, when you talk about the individuals, when you, when you talk about this direct play and this over-reliability on certain individuals within the team, there's no, there's no coincidence that that comes from, from Arthur, Arthur and, and, and the team themselves, almost being overconfident and, and just really complacent with the fact that they're not actually a very good football team. Do you, do you know what I mean? Well, so here's the thing. Here's what I would say to that. I think, I think they can be a very good football team. And what ha- what has happened, in my opinion, is that in those moments where they've shown it, people get so attached to that, right? Where it's mm. like, wow, holy shit. Like they just smash someone, you know, 4-1 and it's, and it's sexy and it's, oh my God. And, you know, all this sort of thing in the final third. And people, yeah. you know, people obviously get more attached to that football than, you know, the Wanderers right now where it's a little bit like, oh, they just play counterattack yeah. and they're, you know, they're kind of just getting the job done, right? So I think it's more an ideology thing i don't know look i don't know if pappas is i think it's maybe a bit harsh to say that he's complacent about it i think the the issue with them is that he's having to almost like reteach his ideas in my opinion to a different set of players and i think mm-hmm. you know and i think when you're doing that it's like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to almost reboot again and it's kind of like if i'm a newcastle fan i'm thinking oh so we're actually in the same spot that we were last year. Like we're not There's actually. One thing I could say to that you know, though is, yeah. is if you're if you're in the process of doing that rebooting, why are we only talking about the final third? What like why if you if yeah, you're yeah, Arthur Pappas yeah. and you had the opportunity to actually rebuild, even though you've already bedded in one season, we understand that there were. But we know what he is, Matt. But, we know, but what I'm saying is, we know what he is. We know he's an Ange disciple. We know about Ange. I'm not sure if you watched Celtic in the Champions League this week, but Ange doesn't care. He goes to Real Madrid and he's like, yeah. "We're going to play out from the back. Or yeah, we're going to press yeah, high. Yeah. And look, we're going to lose five one, but it's like, oh, whatever. You know, long term yeah. it'll be good. What I'm saying is, for Pappas, it's like I don't think you can do that because next season you're going to have a different set of players again. Yeah, you know, so yeah, and the salary yeah, cap yeah. And, and everything else. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, that 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 to me is obvious. But what I what I failed to really understand big picture with the Jets is why when we look at the Jets of uh, you know after post twenty eighteen after their grand final spell after you know Ernie Merrick became trash again with at the helm of the Jets with all due respect to him and and and, and everything that he's all about you know he's a, he's a great guy he just he, obviously you know that was a one season wonder type type achievement yeah. with that club. We looked at that club and we said every single facet of what they're doing off the Mm. pitch and on the pitch is really, really bad. For whatever reason, Daniel Pena, one fucking player, had had completely changed the mindset of that football club and the way that we as a football community view them. My question is why? They're, They're still the same team that they were from years ago in that respect. And, like, I don't understand why one... 
you know, and, and yeah, okay, and 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 Pappas being an extension of that, they're going to go to sides and they're gonna get they're gonna get whacked because they mm. only want to play that 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 one way. I, I get it, mm. but I, I just I don't understand why you know, especially after a season where they've finished ninth, why you why you keep that mindset and why we as a community were none the wiser to look at them and have a more nuanced approach with Newcastle because there's no nuance going on at Newcastle both on and off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I think you make some really good points. Um, I think that'll do it for the for the Newcastle victory debate. And I've just realized we went 21 minutes without um Matt saying that there's any systemic problems uh at Newcastle. So so that's good. Um, sort of did. I sort of did. You sort of did, <laughs> but you didn't use the term systemic problems. Indirectly. So, Indirectly. Yeah, you know, that's 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 right. We'll take that. Um all right, so before, you know, uh this gets out of control and the fucking mini turns into a fifty minute pod, um again like last week. Um, you know, let's let's just go like briefly under ten minutes. Um, I think Matt, you wanted to maybe touch on the the sanctions handed down, suspended sanctions handed down to Sydney United today, uh by Football Australia, of course, for the fan behaviour at the Australia Cup final. Yeah, look, I think we've we've just got to commend James Johnson and uh, everyone at the helm for for really coming coming to justice and, and and treating the situation as seriously as it needed to be treated. Um, at the end of the day, you know, this is this is something that really could have been a very major loss for the game and, and really, really taken us back a few good years. But um, there's there's actually, you know, I, I won't I won't comment on the specifics of it too much because we, we we know what's happened, right? And I just wanted to touch on it and, and say so that uh, you know what happened was 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 quite positive. But um uh, Cody, uh, Cody, I'm actually going to ask Cody this because I, I saw that he had, he had shared it on social media. Westerlitzer signing for Sydney FC. I mean, that, yeah, that's yeah. one good good that's come out of of the Sydney United situation. So, what do, what do you think about that? The signing, yeah, uh, it's a great. Honestly, it's a great thing for the club. It's a great thing for himself. He's good enough to play at a professional standard, and we always complain as A League fans that sometimes we do get the same sort of players circling around each club. This is going to offer something different to Sydney FC. One major criticism everyone has of Sydney FC is they don't believe certain people in their back line should be getting a starting spot each week. Mm. This offers them the chance to do something different, particularly while Rodwell apparently is going to be ready for the derby. Wilkinson doesn't look like he's going to be ready for a while. That's why Vasilis has come in. He's his injury replacement. It's a great thing for the league, and it's a good representation of what the, F- the Australia Cup should be about because... These guys have shown what they can do on a national level, and now they're getting their reward for it. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's the biggest positive you could see coming out of that Sydney United side, that Sydney United run. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Christian, there was also something mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention on the topic of Sydney United and second divisions. Um, it has come to my attention recently that the um, the the Liga MX in Mexico, their second division has shut down. And um, Jesus, this is like a this no, is no, 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 no. Trust me, trust me. This is well, going to get very yeah. relevant. This is going to get very relevant. So basically, what's happened is in Mexico, they have started up a second division, and what they're going to do is they're going to give it five years before any teams are promoted and relegated to see if that second division can become financially viable. But isn't isn't that something that's that, been floated for us as well? Isn't that that? No, that's exactly that, what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. We have a blueprint for what can happen with the game in Australia, so we need to be paying attention to how yeah. this situation plays out in Mexico. And it'll it'll honestly it'll help this conversation about the second division. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, we, we won't be seeing any more of this uh, crowd behavior and, and conduct going on from from MPL clubs for for much longer. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on the um 
just want to touch on the Vlastelica uh, signing as well. I think it's really yeah. good that this guy... Look, I understand that, first of all, we had him, of course, on one of our podcasts ahead of the final. So great that, you know, um, a FPF podcast guest can uh, get an A-League move. I mean, that's just, you know, fantastic. And um, also, Adrian is, you know, he's 27 years old. So for him to actually still get an A-League opportunity at that, at that age, I think is terrific. And I think that the other thing, you know, having, you know, watched a lot of MPL this year is that I feel A-League teams, there are a lot of guys out there who aren't just... You know, there is a feeling maybe in the MPLs that there are a lot of guys who are in that kind of 26 plus bracket who are very yeah. much like they're just going to be MPL players and that's what they're going to do. But, yeah. you know, they, some of these guys, they might say that, but I think they do have bigger aspirations and, and they might actually could be a serviceable squad player on an A-League team. And I think, uh, you know, keep an eye on Adrian because I think he could potentially, if he does well, maybe then sign a permanent deal and, and be like a squad player for them. You know, they did yeah. they did let Ben Wallen go, of course, to United this season. So maybe they are looking at um, that kind of backup option at centre-back. So, Joey, so great Joey Knowles is another one on that, Joey on Knowles, that note. Yep, yep. He's 26 and has sort of waved his way through the system. But there is a, there is a question on this I just want to ask you quickly, Christian. Mm. Um, what do you do with the likes of... So you've got 25, 26-year-olds in the MPL that probably need a, a, a kick to sort of... Well, I'm, just, level, I'm just but, talking just from an SA perspective. I think we've got okay. a lot of guys who are in that age bracket in the yeah, NPL yeah. who I know from talking to some of them who are, are very much like, you know, I love playing the NPL, you know, local football, this sort of thing. But you actually feel like, wow, these guys could actually maybe offer something just off the bench even or something like that for an A-League team. Mm. But No, yeah. no, no. So, so say, for example, uh, the top example that comes to mind, mostly because he played so well with uh, with the Joeys a few years back. Noah, Noah Bodic. So this is not someone who's 25, 26. This yeah. is someone who is not 19, 20 years yeah. old. What do, what do we do with guys like that who are on A-League benches now, but not actively playing any football? You know, that that's becoming as big as a problem as MPL players that are, that are sort of weaving through the cracks because, because the MPL isn't on, because it's summer, these guys aren't going to be playing any minutes and we need them to be playing minutes for their development. So there's two, there's two facets to this conversation. There's the guys who are mature age who are falling through the cracks and then there's the young guys who actually need to be playing that football, I suppose the only difference being that we have an answer and that we could start a reserves competition, mold both of those players in and, and sort of get that get that up and running. But well, maybe we but could do something crazy like um start a national youth league competition. But that's a bit crazy, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah, no, um, one that doesn't go for eight games. Yeah, oh, yeah. Maybe God, God, that's a horrible format. Yeah, Honestly. <laughs> we're trying to develop these players, man, and we do eight rounds and it's by conference. Oh, Spare me. I mean, to me, it's very clearly a financial thing, but mm. like, it's not. Tana, I, not... I think, Tana, were you going to say something before? I reckon I cut you off, maybe, um, just on the second division stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming back to me on that. Um, I, I didn't actually know that about uh, the, the League of MX uh, with their trial for the promotion relegation after the five year format. Would that suffice, though, down in, in uh, down under, though? Like, because everyone's crying out for promotion relegation in the national second division. But what do you reckon the um, reaction would be if we were to do similar to what Liga MX were doing? Well, I think I think it's a good comparison because Mexico isn't a small country. Like they've got clubs everywhere, like we do. So that that we really have to be looking out for this. I I was I was just looking through some World Cup stuff and happened to stumble upon this, and I was like, how how is this not you know we, we should be we should be this is the blueprint for goodness sake we should be looking at it so. Um, it only came to my attention today. It's already been been running for about a year and a half, I think. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. It's just it's something that came to my attention and something that the Australian football community should be talking about because, mm. uh, as I said, you know, it's a, it's a big country. 
They have clubs that have sort of, you know, come in and out in terms of their their prominence, as we have had with the NSL clubs that are still at a very big level in the NPL. And I think that we've just we've got to we've got to look at what they can do with the clubs that they have that are good enough to be in a second division, but obviously still not financially viable enough for, for the level that they're playing at. So yeah, it's you know, it's it's crazy. And I think it's just something that um what else can I say? We we need to look at it. Yeah. Much yeah. as you can say mm-hmm. clubs are crying out for a promotion relegation. This is an important step we need to take though, because the last thing we need is creating second division, introducing promotion relegation straight away. And then we go back to what happened in the old days in the NSL where clubs are folding left, right, and center. Yeah. You can put them in a competition, even if it's not for five years, even if we maybe do it for three, mm. we make sure it's financially viable, then we can go ahead and promotion relegation. But it gives those clubs the opportunity as well to prove to anyone that may have doubts over it that it's it's financially viable and it can happen. Yeah. Mm, very good point, Cody. That that makes absolutely sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So we've gone from talking about Victory and Jets to League at Max's um national <laughs> second division. Um basically life lesson, life lesson. If you ever have Matt Olson on a podcast with you, then just be ready for fucking anything, to be honest. Um and to be taken into these really random um nations and what they're doing in a football sense. So um yeah, but but fascinating insight. You know, um, I'm all for it. So absolutely. Um anyone got anything else? They want to add on on the rest of the weekend's games. We've got Melbourne City, Perth tomorrow's the early game, and then we've also got the Wanderers and Mariners. That that could be very interesting. Uh, I think I, I think reckon. I think the two away teams in that perspective mm. are, are intriguing to look out for. Yeah. The Mariners have actually just come off a win that can really boost their confidence. Mm. The the A League's all access that we've just seen. I actually have a lot more faith in Nick Montgomery than I than I realized. I have not seen he, it yet. For he, fuck's okay, sake. okay. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Basically, you'll see a lot of Monty and his management style and his belief in the club and his belief in the boys. And it it's changed the way I look at that football club for sure. But um. Yeah, they, look, it's a, it's a game in New South Wales. They're not travelling far. It's it's all for the taking for them. As for the Wanderers, though, obviously Marco Rudan hasn't lost yet. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, big statement for him to make sure that they can keep that club where it needs to be. Melbourne, City, Perth. The one thing I would comment on that is, obviously, Perth Glory have a really good record at Amy Park. Whether that holds up or not, we'll doubt it, obviously. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Okay, and then we've got... Sunday, we've got the Devia Derby, Wellington MacArthur, and then you've got Brisbane Sydney, which is interesting, and West United, Adelaide United, the United Derby is the latest <laughs> kickoff on Sunday, which is interesting as well. Last one from me, um, Tanner, and actually, Matt, I'll kind of get your perspective on this as well. This is just a little bit of a joke, but whatever. Is um, is Bruno Fornaroli now going to leave because he was named on the bench tonight? Or, um... Yeah, well, well, here's the thing. Like, okay, jokes aside, just very quickly, Nick D'Agostino. What happens with Nick D'Agostino if they're going to be playing a, a starting sort of nine that Bruno takes over? Well, I got to say, I got to say, and I tweeted about it during the game. I think D'Agostino was like, okay, you want to go sign this guy? Um, here's here's this. Try this on for size. Um, here's this yeah. performance. You know, like, honestly, yeah. I thought he was like determined tonight. He was a bit is like, he, is he? But is he going to get a move overseas by by January? I mean, I actually, the, the the other thing I've just realized is this injury replacement bullshit going on with Spiranovic. Well, but how Bruno, is, Bruno no, that's the other thing. Be... Can someone clarify this for me? I know, so clearly A-League injury replacement can mean you can replace any injured player in the squad because how is Fornaroli being brought in as a striker injury replacement for a defender? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know, basically, like, okay. basically, Victory have found a loophole with it, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. but but my, my thing is, 
D'Agostino's at the point where he's putting in good form. He's probably going to get a move overseas. You have your replacement for D'Agostino there with Bruno. That's fantastic. But if he's on this injury replacement contract, it actually opens up a big hole at the nine for victory. Tanner, I'll, I'll get your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd obviously love to see Bruno stick around past uh, January, but you're right. It's a crazy loophole that we managed to um, to get him through for a centre-back replacement. Like, I love Speranovic at victory, but, I mean, obviously he's um, very uh, injury-plagued as of late. Um, I guess it really will come down to if uh, Spiranovic does come back, what will we then do with Bruno? Will, will we just sign him uh, just on a regular contract or would mm. it somehow be long-term with Spiranovic? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap this up because we're now clocking over 30, 30 minutes. Um, so, yeah, fuck, it's meant too many. Um, so we will wrap up. One last thing, I've just realised that this is a... We've got a multi-state podcast happening right now. So I've got I'm in SA, Matt's in WA, Cody's in New South Wales, and then and then we've got um Tanner in Tasmania. So I mean that's that's unbelievable scenes, really. We don't like Victorians. No, no uh, particularly me, I'm in SA. So um, yep. yeah. Okay. Um, all right. That uh, that leaves it for another FPF mini podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. You can definitely catch Matt Olson on here next week, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, because he's on here every fucking oh, Friday. No. Um, as as the other two, I do not know yet. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. And uh, as for now, uh, yeah, you can listen to us in the next one.